Tonight on Movie Cat, we're staying up late and watching the midnight movie masterpiece, The Abominable Dr. Fives. The Abominable Dr. Fives was released in 1971, was written by James Whitten and William Goldstein, and was directed by Robert Fust. It stars Vincent Price, Joseph Cotton, Virginia North, and Peter Jeffrey. I'm not actually tuning into a UHF broadcast. What I am doing is watching the Region 1 2001 DVD release from MGM. When I first saw this film in the early 80s, it was on a crappy old television set in the middle of the night, and ever since, it's been one of my most favorite films of all time. For general viewership, I'm grading this film as a C plus, but for its intended audience of Vincent Price fans, I'm giving it a B. I'll explain more about why in a little bit. The Abominable Dr. Fives is a comedic horror film, but it is strangely romantic. The comedy and horror elements are straightforward and obvious, and the film does a great job of blending them. But when I think about Fives, I mostly think of how tragic and romantic it is. On the face of it, the story is about an evil genius that has lost his wife and seeks revenge, and isn't that sad, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there is something deeper at work in this movie that affects the audience on a near subliminal level. The movie is set in post-war England in the early 1920s. The fact that this is a period piece is very important, and why the filmmakers chose this particular time is very telling. Period movies are more complex and therefore cost more to produce, whereas Fives had a somewhat cheap production and a limited budget. This shows that something about the story was very important to set the film in the past. In the 20s, Europe was still reeling after World War I, a war that was devastating on the psyches of those that went through it and much of the world in general. The Industrial Revolution had changed the world permanently and World War I was very much a mechanized war, using science and technology to cause great damage and death. The Abominable Dr. Fives is set in the early 20s because Dr. Fives is a presence that embodies the spiritual and is being driven from the earth by science and technology. The end of our connection to the metaphysical is what Dr. Fives is fighting against, and he almost succeeds, but in the end, he is forced underground. During the opening titles for The Abominable Dr. Fives, we see a massive pipe organ being elevated into an elaborate Art Deco ballroom from below, as a cloaked figure plays it in a swooping theatrical way. This is, of course, Dr. Fives. He then descends from the organ and cranks up a life-size mechanical band. Dr. Fives then proceeds to conduct the band as they play a new song. The music seemingly calls forth a ghostly, beautiful woman from some other world. This is Volnavia. She will assist Dr. Fives in his abominable work. They then dance together because what else does one do in such a ballroom? The pair then depart the mansion with a covered birdcage. We later learn that the cage is filled with deadly bats. The duo lowers the cage into the bedroom of their sleeping victim, releasing the bats and killing the man. The body is later discovered and the cops are called, including a pair of bumbling Scotland Yard inspectors, Inspector Trout and Sergeant Shenley. The pair provide the majority of the comedy for the film. After the murder, Dr. Fives burns a wax effigy of the man he just killed. We can see that he has a number of wax busts, implying that he has much work to do. Dr. Fives and Volnavia proceed to kill several people. Each murder is done in a strange and elaborate way. One is killed by bats. In an unseen murder, the victim was killed by bees. Another is killed by a machine that sprays hail. Fives and Volnavia drain the blood of another man. Another is killed by a mask that strangles the person wearing it. They also put killer rats in a man's airplane, causing him to crash, and on and on and on. Between the killings, we learn from Dr. Fives that he is killing a number of doctors that made up the medical team that failed to save his beloved wife after she was in a car accident. 
Fibes blames the doctors for her death. Along the way, the inspectors also learn some clues. They learn that Dr. Fibes is the likely suspect, but that he was killed years earlier. They learn that he was a famous musician, that he was a doctor of theology, and that the medical team is being killed systematically each one by a different recreation of a plague that was placed on the Egyptians in the Old Testament. Each plague, or curse, is assigned by Fibes to a different doctor. After the majority of the medical team is killed off, Dr. Fibes and Volnavia kidnap the son of Dr. Vesalius, who is the head surgeon of the medical team. The boy is taken to Fibes' mansion and strapped to an operating table. Dr. Vesalius is then forced to perform a similar surgery on his son that caused the death of Fibes' wife, of course, Dr. Fibes has added the danger of a timed release of acid that will drop on the boy if Dr. Vesalius cannot complete the surgery in time. During the surgery, Dr. Fibes reveals to Vesalius that he is in fact a grotesque reanimated corpse. Before the acid falls, Dr. Fibes escapes to his underground lair, while Volnavia proceeds to demolish the mansion as the police and inspectors arrive. Dr. Vesalius manages to free his son, but the acid falls on Volnavia, disintegrating her possibly sending her back to the netherworld. In the end, Dr. Fibes rejoins the body of his dead wife in a hidden tomb, where he literally embalms himself. He then seals himself in the tomb forever, evoking the final curse, the curse of darkness. At first viewing, the abominable Dr. Fibes is fairly straightforward. Fibes murders the doctors and the cops are so bungling that Fibes isn't stopped and he escapes. There is the tragic element of Fibes' love for his dead wife that motivates his revenge plot, which tints the film with melancholy, but the abominable Dr. Fibes has a deeper, more resonant message. At its core, the film is about the death of our spiritual natures as we and our culture move more and more towards science. The film is decidedly anti-science. This is why it takes place in an era when science and technology were being revealed as having the power to cause tremendous harm. Dr. Fibes is not just taking revenge on the doctors, but he is fighting what they represent. In the film, Victoria Fibes, Dr. Fibes' wife, is characterized as practically a goddess. Dr. Fibes literally worships her image. Victoria awaits Dr. Fibes in the other world. She represents our transcendent souls. And it is the insult to this goddess that fills Fibes with revengeful anger. So much so that he must stay in the world after dying himself to punish those that killed her. The abominable Dr. Fibes depicts the agents of science as fools. The doctors are snobbish buffoons. The police are incompetent dunderheads, while Dr. Fibes and Volnavia glide through the film with no hindrance in their work. It's pretty clear where the filmmakers stand in all this. The police can't seem to catch a break. They don't accomplish anything in the story and always miss the crime. They never interfere or solve any of the murders, and they don't capture Dr. Fibes in the end. As far as the story goes, they only serve to dish out exposition and provide comedy. Dr. Fibes is a supernatural phantom in the movie. Here and there we learn little tidbits about what exactly Fibes is. We know that he was a doctor of theology and was not any kind of scientist. He was also a famous organist and musician. Very often music is a strong connection to the spiritual world for us, and the film depicts Dr. Fibes playing music frequently. Also, Volnavia often plays her violin during the killings. Additionally, we learn that Dr. Fibes was killed in a car crash in Switzerland shortly after his wife died in London. So why didn't the gods allow him to die and join his wife in the afterworld? Was he brought back to enact revenge on the new world of science? By the end of the film, we find out that Dr. Fibes is in fact a reanimated corpse, a curse in and of itself. In the first scene of the film, Dr. Fibes manifests a ghost to help him in his work. Volnavia is an apparition and helps Fibes with almost all his dealings. Fibes often uses her to hypnotize the victims before he kills them. It is interesting that Volnavia looks almost exactly like Victoria. The two were played by different actors, but it seems as though Dr. Fibes is attempting to console himself by manifesting a spirit in the image of his dead wife. 
As the film progresses, the two begin to make romantic gestures towards each other. At one point, Volnavia gives Dr. Fibes a bouquet of flowers, indicating her sympathy for Fibes. Dr. Fibes and Volnavia are agents of the afterworld that slowly take their revenge against the doctors, and they succeed in the end, but we are not fully satisfied with this ending. Fuse leaves us with a feeling that something beautiful is dying, that the world is advancing too rapidly and without a spiritual conscience. The film is ultimately a tragic one because the very thing that Fibes is struggling against cannot be stopped. I love this movie, so why am I not giving it a top grade? The Abominable Dr. Fibes is a lowish budget B-film that was intended to take advantage of the celebrity of Vincent Price and make a quick buck. The production is hobbled in many areas because of this. An average person coming to this film won't be very impressed, so it gets a C+. But despite its handicap, Robert Fust had other ideas and created a bizarre and eccentric tale of lost love and revenge. For Vincent Price fans and for today's cult film fans, Fibes is at the top of many lists. However, the film still suffers from low production value and some campy performances from the supporting cast, so it gets a B for its target audience. It's difficult to say what it is about The Abominable Dr. Fibes that makes such an impression. I think it mostly has to do with how the film gets the audience to invest on an emotional level. If you can get past your initial prejudices of the low production value and campiness of the film, it's really quite a touching story. This is the trick that Fust performs on us. There are plenty of films where revenge is the motivation of the characters. The difference here is that we take pity on Dr. Fibes and begin to root for him to succeed in the end. The Abominable Dr. Fives is a fairly straightforward film from a formalist perspective. There isn't a lot going on as far as cinematography or sound design, and apart from some melodramatic songs here and there, the score is so sparse that it's almost not there. Those few songs that are in the film are way, way over the top, but underline the film's weirdness. The film was obviously shot for efficiency, and since Robert Fust got his start and worked primarily in television, it follows that his movies reflect this. The sets and costumes are very eccentric, but obviously cheap. The real gems in this movie are the performances. Of course Vincent Price is supremely sensational as Dr. Fives, and you can tell that he absolutely relished the role. Joseph Cotton is terrific as Dr. Vesalius, and is basically the anchor for the film. Virginia North is beautiful and mysterious as Volnavia, and brings subtlety to an otherwise outlandish film. From there, the characters become more and more campy. The various doctors that Fibes visits, as well as the whole of Scotland Yard, are supposed to supply the film's comedy, and they do do that, but their silliness level is maybe a touch too high. Robert Fuse seems to be quite aware of the film he wanted to make. Fibes is a film that was seemingly made for the midnight screen. Fust was, I think, very successful in creating a sympathetic character in Dr. Fives, and then steering the audience to support him. Not as a villain, but as almost an anti-hero. Hey, movie cats. Whenever I watch a movie, there's always some nagging questions that linger with me. Small things that get stuck in my head. Here's just a few from the abominable Dr. Fives. There's a rumor that Robert Fust was an acquaintance of Anton LaVey. Any truth to this rumor? How did Dr. Fives get those bats? How did he get a hold of any of that stuff? Are there any other ghostly figures like Fives back from the grave running around? Or is Fives the only one? In one scene we see Dr. Fives clutching what looks like Victoria's dismembered hand. Is that supposed to be her real hand? When the nurse is killed by locusts, even after taking a sleeping pill, don't you think she would have woken up before being eaten alive? Did Dr. Fibes poison the nurse's sleeping pills? 
What is the movie that Dr. Longstreet is watching? Is the Exorcist 3 blood draining scene an homage to the abominable Dr. Fibes? Are there any direct Fibes homages or ripoffs? Is Dr. Fibes alive or dead or undead? Thanks for listening. I may never figure them all out. Hey, movie cats. I'm just a puppet, but there are real cats out there that need your help, really. Please take some time to locate the cat shelter that is nearest to you and make a donation. And if you're in need of some love, as we all are, you can adopt a cat from that shelter and improve your life, as well as the lives of our feline friends. Thanks so much for your help.